having the Mack Hike of Flowwood Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Studio. Uh, this segment is going to be brought to you by Ellis Autoplex, the Rankin County's hometown dealership owned and operated by Casey and Rachel Ellis. Ellis Autoplex is located on Highway 471 in Brandon, right down there next to Boo's Smokehouse. What is it about all of my sponsors being located next to barbecue places? The, trying to get Clay to eat some barbecue. <laughs> Look, hey, Ellis specializes in full-size trucks, SUVs, and they got plenty of cars, too. Hey, look, y'all know I work there. I sell cars at Ellis Autoplex. Uh, if you want to break bread with me, come see me. We just got a shipment of seven new trucks in. They're clearing the shop now. So if you're looking for a quality, pre-owned, little higher mileage truck, you know, want to try to save some money, give us a look. Well, I, I think you'll be satisfied. I sold a, sold a fella a truck yesterday. Easiest car buying experience he's ever had. Heck, it may have been the easiest car selling experience I've ever had. Walked right in, found the Ford truck you liked, drove off on in it. All in less than about 30 minutes. We uh, we respect your time because we respect our time, too. Shop us online, ellisautoplex.com. Hey, we buy cars, too. So before we have to deal with all the Craigslist crazies and marketplace maniacs, bring it by to us. We'll pay fair market value for your trade. You ain't got to do nothing to it. Don't wash it. Don't worry about all that nonsense. We're going to do that anyway. Bring it to us, ellisautoplex.com. And it's a beautiful location also. It's a beautiful building. It is. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Casey has done a great job with that building and got big plans for the future and uh, planning on staying there a long time. There's a bunch more land than just what's paved right now, you know. So as uh, success unfolds, uh, investments will be made. Sure. And uh, that's good for everybody. More tax money. (laughs) That's right. So, all right, look, I'm joined in studio with, with Danny Anderson. Danny is co-host of the Recovery Lab podcast, and uh, Danny, let's start at the beginning, brother. Um, how did you find yourself in the world of drugs and addiction? Shame, 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 and shame. So I was adopted when I was uh, three days old, four days old uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, and from that point on, I um, had a abandonment issues. Always, always. I was always afraid that uh, if my birth mother, deep down through therapy, I've realized that uh, deep down I felt as though if I wasn't good enough for my own birth mom, that I wasn't good enough for anyone else. Um, so I always, uh, always thought that uh, there's no way that you could love me because my own mother couldn't love me. And I know it sounds cheesy uh, to some, but it's the reality. That's what I dealt with. Um, so uh, I, I realized from a very early uh, point that uh, drugs and alcohol allowed me to feel as though I was a part of. Um, and it took away those those fears of uh, of people not liking me because people liked me initially when I was using and, and drinking. I was kind of the life of the party and I was a fun guy to be around. Uh, that, that, that didn't always, that, 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 uh, it went south pretty quickly. It's hard to live up to that. Yes. You know, I, I, not, not to, not to steal thunder here, but I went through the same thing being in the entertainment or being in the party business, you know, owning the clubs and stuff. I was the party guy, you know, right. but then people would see me away from there, like outside of that, that atmosphere. And like, I felt like sometimes people were embarrassed to talk to me when they were with somebody else that they weren't partying with or something right, like right, right. after hours i was the cool guy to know when you wanted in the club free or wanted a free drink or wanted to look right. cool like pretending like you knew the club owner but uh, if you ran into me at at the dollar store or the mall it was a different story yeah sure sure absolutely absolutely so you know i i um you know god god uh, had me sit down in a uh, recovery 
meeting. I went to AA when I was 18 and, um, you know, trying to, to get help. And I, I wasn't ready and I fought it and I fought it and I fought it. How old are you now? I am 38. 38. Okay. Yep. So I've, uh, I've been at this for quite a minute. <laughs> Most of us were. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it takes it's, what it takes. It's a lifelong problem. I mean, you know, I, I hear people say it and it make the older I get, the more sense it makes when people who get up in, in meetings and they may be sober 10, 12 years and they still introduce themselves as an, al- as an alcoholic or an addict Absolutely. or whatever. I, that, that means so much more to me now than it did 10 years ago. Absolutely. Because it is an everyday, you know, even if it's in your rear view and your sobriety doesn't control your life anymore, like the, the, the goal of staying sober, you know, like you moved on to other things. But it's still, it's a, it's a constant battle because, you know, all it takes is just that one thing. Sure, sure. Just that one thing. So you found yourself um, going to AA meetings and rehab and stuff at 18? Yeah, so I, I was living in Ventura, California. I was studying photography at the Brooks Institute of Photography and Film. And um, and I, I went to Tijuana with my roommate, and we got a bunch of cocaine and uh, walked around the streets of Tijuana for uh, hours and hours and hours and uh, I was absolutely in love. Uh, it was the most amazing experience that I ever had. I was 18. Um, and, and then it just, I, uh, I was doing tubber finishing there for some time. And, um, I, there was a homeless fella that used to like stack rocks on the beach for tips. And, um, he didn't have a place to stay or anything. So I kind of, he had a connection with, uh, with pot and uh, pot was a big thing in my life, always has been. And, um, I was like, Hey, you know, if, if you help me out, you know, you can come up to my apartment, take shower, chill, hang out, what up, you know, whatever. And, uh, so we, and then he also helped me with the tubber finishing also. It was an interesting situation nevertheless, but he, uh, one day he showed up with a little baggie, uh, or a little, um, thing of, uh, tinfoil. And he was like, Hey, check this out. And I was like, what is it? And he was like, well, just try it. Just snort this. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, and, and it was, I was off to the races. I was methamphetamine. You twisted my arm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was my first experience with methamphetamine and, um, it, it was uh, pure methamphetamine and it was, uh, it was outrageous. It was. And, and the race is on. The race is on. We're chasing the purple dragon. I That's that. right. Know, it's like that, that you'll never, you'll never repeat that first, that first time. That's right. But That's right. It, ain't, it won't be from a lack of effort. And I turned into just a tweaker, just your bottom of the barrel tweaker. Um, it was not pretty. It's not pretty, my man. So, so your so your path to addiction is different than than others because a lot of people they start with a, a prescription to Adderall, sure, and or Xanax, and you know, doctor medicine, uh, pain pills, stuff of that nature. Yours was just yours was like mine. It was a I was partying. And I just never wanted to stop. Well, sort of. But I also, as a child, I was on stimulant medication for ADHD. Um, I never abused them or anything like that. And um, I didn't really make the correlation between the the differences between meth and Adderall or or stimulant medication. I was on, uh, I think, Psylert as a kid, which is basically, it's just a stimulant medication, different guy. And... um, so there, there was that, that stimulant medication did, I feel, prime me f- to love that feeling. Interesting. Um, so I, it, that is part of my story, you know, stimulant medications and my parents, you know, they, they put me on it. They thought that they were, uh, doing the right thing. They were following doctor's advice and, you know, I don't fault them in any way, shape or form or blame them in any way. 
Um, but that that is I, I do feel as though that, that stimulant medication primed me for addiction. You know, I would love to either on this show or hear it on y'all's podcast. I would love to get a doctor if you could get one to sit down and be honest about that subject matter. Is that something that concerns them? I know they're I know they're all worried to death about pain pills because that's the big boogeyman in the room right now. Right. But I, I, I'm gonna tell you, come, coming up a, a close second has got to be the stimulant medication and the and the path to, to amphetamine addiction. Right. And it's interesting. There is a medication that is called methamphetamine. It is a stimulant medication. It's marketed under a different name, but it is methamphetamine. So, you know, there is a direct correlation between methamphetamine, ice, and stimulant medications. It it did the exact same thing for me. Uh, meth did the exact same thing as Adderall for me. That's interesting. Now, I've seen on Adderall prescription bottles where it just says amphetamine salts. Yep. But, but it never actually is all the, the ones that says meth. But that would make perfect sense that for certain type of insomniac patients, I don't, I don't know what, what type of person you would subscribe that to, prescribe that to. ADHD, anyone dealing with ADHD. How extreme does your ADHD have to be to get straight meth from the doctor? You just go into the doctor and say, hey, I think I'm ADHD. And they may do like a screening. Yeah. But it was unbelievably easy for me to get a prescription for Adderall unbelievably easy oh no i understand that but i'm talking about this this extreme version oh yeah yeah uh, yeah. i mean like well what is that what is the circumstance that that becomes an an acceptable medication i know i know i i it's it's crazy it's crazy but i mean it's it's the same basic chemical makeup as as adderall that methamphetamine pill and i bring this up on with it with just about every guest because i I hope that there's a new there's a new parent listening this morning that hasn't listened to this show before just stumbling across this that may have a child that they are prescribed some type of adderall type medication to i I don't want to hit the panic button but have a conversation with your child's doctor about an, an, an exit strategy on that because it never seems like the the exit strategy always seems to turn into an amphetamine addiction. Right. And that's not an exit strategy. (laughs) That's a plane crash. Right. But I have to say, I I don't feel as though I am truly ADHD. So, so stimulant medications affect me like methamphetamine affects me. From what I hear, if you're truly ADHD and you take a, a stimulant medication like Adderall, it is unbelievably helpful. So there is, yeah. there, there are those cases that it's completely helpful to use ADHD medication, stimulant medications for ADHD treatment. I'm yeah. just not real ADHD, so it, it made me tweak. Makes sense. I, 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 you do hear that as well. People who are actually ADHD. Uh, I've got a family member who is actually ADHD and takes it. I mean, so I speak from a bunch of different points of view sure. here. Um, and, and it seems to work very well for her. And I don't think she's having any issue with uh, overdosing. Right. Over, right. Not overdosing, like falling out dead, but overtaking, over medicating. Sure. So, all right. So you're, you're in Tijuana. <laughs> oh, man. I, I tell you, well, let's, but we're at the break. We're at a break time here. When we pick back up, I want to, I want to pick up into, <laughs> you, 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 you've, you've tried amphetamine for the first time. Okay. And wh- where does that take you? How, where's rock bottom? And what's your path? What was your path out of it? This is the Clay Edwards show. I'm joined this morning by Danny Anderson. And we'll be right back on 1039 WYAB. It's election day. Get out and vote. When necessary. Welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. We are live here in the Mack Hike 
of Flowood Studios. This segment is going to be brought to you by our good friends over at A1 Gear and Auto right there on Highway 49 in Florence. If you need your automobile worked on, go see my buddy Justin and his team. They specialize in locking locks and gears and ring pinions, gears, uh, transfer cases, all that stuff, man. But hey, they do more than just, uh, gear and stuff. Uh, Ring and pinion is the word that eludes me every time I try to say this. They uh, specialize in ring and pinion, but there's so much more than just that. If uh, your check engine light is on, get over there and see them at A1 Gear and Auto. Air not blowing cold, heat not working, your defrost ain't working. I don't think my defrost is working quite as good as it needs to be. I need to get over there and see them one day this week myself. So, look at it right there on Highway 49 in Florence. That's A1 Gear and Auto. Look, man, you know, it's, it's deer season. You done gone and bought some big tires, uh, put a lift on your truck, all that. Man, make sure you're running the right gears, front and back. If you just put them in the back, your four-wheel drive ain't going to work right when you need it to. So get over there to A1 Gear and Auto. Let them get you rolling with the right gears in your differentials and rear end. All right. All right. Oh, yeah. You can call them at 601. Find my phone number here. 601-939-1060. A1 Gear and Auto. All right, man. We're joined in the Mack Hike of Flowood Studio by Danny Anderson. Talking about the road to recovery, man. And uh, it, it can you can hit potholes along the way, like a Jackson size pothole every now and then. <laughs> God knows I have. Uh, so you're you're in Tijuana. I'm in Tijuana. You're in Tijuana. You've tried you've tried meth for the first time. It's life altering. Tell us what the the path you go down. What man? What what, what does the next couple years look like? Uh, well, the next few years was uh, I actually. Um, I, I got arrested a couple times, um, for, uh, well, it was silly. I, uh, borrowed my neighbor's car to go get some weed and because he was parked behind mine and he was, um, not a fan of mine. And I guess I probably should have asked him before I borrowed his Audi. Uh, so he put me in jail for that and didn't press charges, but put me in jail and, um, and then in 2004, um, I, you're back in America at this point. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, um, so I started photography. I got kicked out of, uh, the school. I, they, um, I was supposed to take a GED. Well, I got kicked out of high school cause I got in a fight with another photographer and threw him through a plate, plate glass window. And so that was fun. And, uh, so I got kicked out of high school, um, and got a call from the books Institute of photography and film. And they were like, Hey, will you come out and study photography? And I was like, I would love to. So, um, I did that and, um, I was supposed to get my GED before I left, but I wound up, uh, smoking weed and just driving around instead of going to get my GED and lied to everyone at the school and my parents that I actually took the test and wound up getting kicked out of Brooks because I, I just kept on telling them, Oh, it's in the mail. It's in the mail. It's in the mail. And well, it wasn't in the mail. So, um, and it just, it was just a slow decline. And then, uh, like in 2004, I, I auditioned to, uh, be a part of this group called the Continentals. They're a Christian singing and dancing group. And we went on, I got accepted and we went on tour. Um, we did a two week training show in Oxnard, California. And then we were on the road for three months, did, um, shows in 42 in the 50 States, hour and a half long shows, choreography, all, all nine yards. And, um, and I didn't drink or use or do anything bad for those three months. And then we, uh, we went from Oxnard to New York and then back to LAX and we hopped on a plane at LAX and flew to Nairobi, uh, Kenya and, uh, did three shows there and were there for uh, 13 days. And I didn't drink and use the whole time there. 
Um, and then when I got back, the first thing I did was uh, I went and got some weed and started smoking. And that's just a, a, a it was just a, a revolving door of hell um, that I put myself through because I wasn't willing to take an honest look at myself. So was was weed a gateway drug for you? Man, I don't want to say it was a gateway drug. Like I, I loved weed, and I still think that it serves a purpose for a lot of people. Yeah, I just understand that for me, weed eventually will not be enough for my brain. I will want more, and I will go get more. There are millions of people out there that smoke weed with no consequences. If that is your situation, I am fully supportive. Medical marijuana, I'm fully supportive. I would if if I had cancer, I would much rather and and marijuana would help me with the pain instead of having to take an opiate medication, I would absolutely smoke marijuana. It's just it's a it's a it's a powerful medication that can be used, but just like with anything, if you go if if you have an alcoholic and drug addict mind like I do, you're not just going to smoke a little bit. You're going to smoke at all times, always. You're always going to be high, and it's going to cause problems in your life like it did mine. If it doesn't cause problems in your life, I'm all for it. Yeah. I, I, I was talking with Drew about this, and I've, it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds, is how does <clears throat> how does the zero tolerance side of the recovery community, community going to reconcile the medical marijuana side of of medicine, right? You know, and 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 try to ba- find that balance in this is what this person really needs according to their doctor, but in recovery, you know, well, how does that look? Right. I mean, I don't. We don't know until we get there. It's yeah. I think that I think that it's going to be and and they've uh, I've done a little research on this in uh, Colorado and um, there are there are folks that that smoke medical marijuana um as prescribed by a doctor and they don't you know go over top over the top with it and it doesn't cause any problems but they still consider themselves uh sober you know if it's it's all about you know you you just got to talk with your sponsor and 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 your doctor and it's a case by case uh situation in in my eyes now for me personally i can only speak for myself that uh we for me will lead me down the path to other harder things. Yeah, and I, I think you just have to take that common sense, case-by-case approach right. to it. If you know that this is going to end up being an inhibition loosener, and it's going to it's going to loosen you up just enough to, kind of like alcohol does some people, sure. you know, alcohol can lead to, oh, I, I did that, I'm feeling good, you know, let me, get, right. let me, let me call up my dealer or whatever. Everybody's different, and... If weed is going to be that trigger for you, you just got to know that you're going to you need to find an alternative form of uh, medication, right? You know, even though I don't necessarily think it should be opioids either, you know. Right. I mean, but to again, again, conversation for somebody and their doctor. But through not to drag into a COVID conversation here, but through COVID, I lost a lot of a lot of respect for the medical community and their advice for their patients. And you know, it's just hard for me to get that back. Granted, I had a great doctor through it, so and it wasn't like I didn't seek him out. It just so happened that my doctor ended up being a great, great doctor who sure. told me I, you know, what not to do and what to do, and I listened to my doctor, you right? Know? And I came out, and I'm better for it today. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> so I, I, on one hand, I say I've lost trust in the medical community, but directly, I actually gained more trust in my personal doctor that I had at the time. Right. I was lucky. A lot of people weren't. 
Yeah, my, my best friend from high school, we still keep in touch on a regular basis. He's a spine surgeon in Dallas, a highly regarded doctor now in yeah. Dallas. And uh, I was in contact with him throughout the whole COVID, even when I was using, throughout the whole COVID situation. And, and um, I, I pretty much stuck with what he said. If he said it was a good idea, I would do it. If he d- said it wasn't, it, I wouldn't, you know. So it was nice to have that guy in my corner. Well, it's nice to just like somebody you, you can trust that you feel, you feel like um, – for better or worse, or whatever the case may be, vaxxed or not vaxxed or whatever, you feel like they're they're giving you good advice. Right. Like for, they have your best interest exactly. in mind, not big pharma's right. best best interest. Sure, sure. You know, so whatever it is, I don't care if you're vaxxed or not. I'm just you just it's good to know if you're getting good information. Absolutely. So a little off track there, but I I, I think the I think the the medical community and the medical marijuana community with the recovery community is going to have an interesting. Yeah, deal. interesting is a good word. Interesting is a good word. I don't think that it's a deal breaker, you, you know, mm. in any way. You know, if if you have to take medical marijuana and and you stay away from everything that causes you problems in your life, then you know, who am I to say that you're not sober? I'm not that guy. I'm not going to sit here and say you're not sober. Yeah, you got a text here, and it says. Um this is on the Guns of Gear text line, unknown texter. Uh, chemical dependency can start with coffee. Oh, it's from Dogwood. Yeah, I mean Dagwood. It, it, it can. And I, as I have a big cup here, everybody, everybody's different. Everybody's trigger is different. Everybody's dependent on different things or can be addicted to different things. I, I was sitting last night. I went to Chris McDaniel's uh, speech at Burgers and Blues in downtown Brandon last night and I, I told you this story as we were getting ready to go on the air. I had met a couple of people at the bar there as I was getting my to-go order and a cold beer. And uh, I was, um, the guy figured out I had a radio show. He saw my shirt and got to talking and right. <clears throat> was asking me what I was going to talk about today. I said, well, Tuesdays are my testimonial Tuesday show. I said, we have somebody on in recovery and they tell their story. I said, one thing I've learned about folks going through recovery, because I'm one of those people myself, is we love to be able to to tell our stories. Absolutely. You know, I was like, so I don't have to do quite as much show prep on Monday night sure, for Tuesdays because sure, sure, sure. I know it's going to have a good conversation, not just me rambling into the mic for two hours. Sure. The bartender heard me say recovery and her ears perked up. She said, did you say recovery? As I did and kind of told the story about what we do here on Tuesdays. And next thing you know, I'm having a 30 minute conversation with a, with a lady that's been in recovery for 12 years. Awesome. And she started celebrate recovery groups but she's also a bartender because we have to do what we have to do to pay our bills. Sure, sure. And <clears throat> I didn't got a beer from this lady. And I was like, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because I always like to let people know before I start these things, hey, I'm in I'm in recovery, but I still drink cold beer. Sure. And I, I just, I'm very upfront about that because I don't want somebody to say, oh, well, you're lying. You right, know? right, right. And because uh, I think it's recovery, it does look different for everybody. Sure. That's just Clay's opinion. And I'm, a lot of people think I'm wrong about that. And that's fine. But uh, I thought it was great to sit there. Here we are in a bar. Having a conversation, at this point it's five of us sitting around in a circle, having a conversation about recovery and what does that look like on an individual basis. And I so just thought awesome. it was so cool, man. That is so it awesome. It really was. You know, it, <laughs> it was because it's just one of the, you just never know. It's like it, know. everybody's going through a struggle. Exactly. Everyone is dealing with something. You know, like imagine being in recovery. It was one of the reasons I never even tried while I was in the bar business. I just knew the same reason I never went. This is I don't know if I've ever said this on the radio before, but I didn't. I, I was I didn't even go to church when I was in the bar business because I knew the second I walked into those church doors, my heart was going to catch on fire for right. the Lord. I mean, I was gonna I was gonna be all in, right? And and I knew that I could not find the balance between the club life 
and a godly life. Right. So it's like I had to commit to the sin until I until that until that came to an end before I could commit to being a Christian. Sure. And I, my recovery was like that too. I I just say I, I can't I, I can't try to quit using while I'm still around this all the time. I, obviously, you can. I just knew me, and I probably wasn't going to be able to sure, do it. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but to, to the respect I have for that bartender now, at, you know, after her telling me she's been in recovery for ten or twelve years, and just a, and actively participates in the recovery community, and she has to go and pour drinks all the time, that has got to be a tough. Now, alcohol wasn't her, wasn't her, wasn't her vice either. Sure, you know, but still, that's got to be hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's got it. Mean, but, you know, bartenders can make more than teachers. So, yeah, you know. but you're slaying your, you're slaying your demons every day. It's exactly. like, I can, you know, like it, it would be such a feeling of accomplishment to get to the end of the shift and know you didn't know it didn't break you. Well, if you're if you're spiritually fit, you can go anywhere and do anything and not be tempted by the devil. Yep. You know, when we come back, I want to kind of get to where your rock bottom was and then your recovery. And I, and I I want to talk about what you just said there about the spiritual being spiritually fit. This is the Clay Edwards show. I'm joined by Danny Anderson. Do you guys got any questions or comments? You want to talk about anything? Uh, the Dustin Bailey, Southern Magnolia's realty phone line, 601-879-0002. The guns and gear text line, 769-241-1944. We'll be right back. Breaking rules when necessary. Welcome back in to the Clay Edwards Show. We are live here in the Mac Hike of Flowood Studios. We only got about two minutes to the top of the hour here. And uh, when you're sharing on serious conversations about addiction and recovery and the path in and out of hell, um, I like to give it room to breathe. So what I want to do real quick to kind of end the top of the hour here is just tell you guys about lunch today. I mean, that's a... If you were in, I'm listening. Yeah, I know, right? And for for there was times that I would go seven, eight, nine days at a time without eating back in the throw, <laughs> in the throes of my addiction. Yeah. And uh, so I love talking about food. How about one of our new uh, partners out there, the Gathering Restaurant at Livingston, the town of Livingston? Oh. This thing is phenomenal. I, I was talking about it the other day, and I had to go to Madison when I left here to pick up some hats, and. I stopped by. They have old school gas stations. I pull up to the gas station. I, I kind of had to pull my on my car. My gas pump is on the. It's like the Euro. It's on the wrong side. It's on the passenger side. Oh, so I had to like back in. Sure, sure. Man, there was a dude there uh, that pumped my gas for me, and it don't cost anything extra. Oh, it's a legit cool. full service gas station out there. That's awesome. I was like, sure, man. I'm gonna let you. You know, and I tried to find him the tip, and when I came back out of the store and went in, and got a hamburger. The, the, the gas station sells like good hamburgers too. They're good. They are, but that's not even the best part. So today they have plate lunch specials every day. Uh, today's is hamburger steak. Oh, man. And, uh, hey, if that's not your thing, they have a full menu. Um, every day they have gumbo and tomato tomato basil soup. It's served all day long. And, uh, look, Veterans Day promotion coming up Friday, November 11th. Free A free Livingston lager and an order of wings all day with a military ID. So if you are awesome. – if you're a veteran – Get out there, enjoy a free beer and a free order of wings at the town of Livingston there at the Gathering Restaurant. And uh, hamburger steak, that's what's for lunch today. And we'll keep you up to up to go, uh, up to date on everything they have going on. This is the Clay Edwards Show. When we come back, Danny Anderson going to tell us what rock bottom looked like for him and how he found recovery. We'll be right back. 
two of the free range human show of choice, your daily dose of reality radio. This is the Clay Edwards show. I am of course, Clay Edwards. We're broadcasting live in the Mac hike of Flowood studios at the lovely cotton exchange plaza out here in not quite as foggy as it was at the 7am hour floor of Mississippi, but it's still foggy out there. Y'all be safe out on the roads this morning. Hey, special shout out to a listener this morning, Miss Valerie. She loves me and she hates me sometimes. She's listening this morning. Uh, we don't always agree politically on things, but uh, she is a great person, and she puts her money where her mouth is, and her time where her mouth is, should I say, doing good work in Jackson, helping folks out. So uh, shout out to Miss Valerie. We'd love to have you back on the show sometime. Just uh, let me know when. All right, I am joined in studio by my friend, Danny Anderson. We've been talking about Danny's uh, road to hell. No, 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 now let's talk about the road out of hell. Sure, sure. You know, I think that's, that, that's where the story begins, right? Well, first, what was rock bottom for you? When did you say... Okay, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore because everybody's is different, right? Um, my rock bottom was uh, I had a rental house off of Hollybush, and um, there was like a backyard, and behind the backyard was uh, just a bunch of woods, and I found myself sitting in those woods uh, on a chair, um, just bawling uncontrollably, and. I had come to the realization that I had two options: either do something different than what I'm than than what I'm doing now, and um and 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 dive into recovery, and get a sponsor and start working the steps, or kill myself. Those were the only two options. Uh, I had exhausted every other thing, uh, and it was at that at that moment that God was like, "All right, you make one little step forward." towards recovery and I'm going to help you out. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to do it. And I started doing it. And I called my sponsor and I said, I'm done. Help me. And he said, okay, let's so go. This was 18 months ago. Uh, this was, uh, <coughs> uh, well, no, that, that was rock, rock bottom. And then I hit another rock bottom after my divorce, uh, when my, uh, my wife and my son were, um, uh, I, I just, I, I was just hated. I was not. I, I I tried to hide the using for about eight months uh, before I got sober, and um, I was just I was a miserable person to be around. And I I just I felt I tried my hardest to hide it, uh, but my wife is not an idiot. Uh, she knew exactly what was going on, and um, the 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 rock 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 bottom was looking in the mirror and hating everything about the person that was looking back at me and just despising every cell in that person's body. That was the rock bottom for me. Yep. So, and and I'm glad you peeled back the onion a little more there to the next layer of rock bottom because a lot of people feel like, okay, I start recovery. I'm going to be sober today. I start recovery and then they, they have a hiccup or whatever the case may be. From the time that you sat on the back porch that night or in the backyard and contemplated suicide or recovery to the time that you stood in the mirror, how long was that? Uh, about a year. About a year. Yeah, about and, a year. And that's when you made the made the, the change, the commitment to getting sober. I made the decision to get sober, but I wasn't a, I wasn't 
ready to sit fully down in recovery. I was still wanting to do things a little bit my way, and I was still holding on to the idea that maybe, possibly, one day, I might be able to smoke just a little weed, just a little bit, every once in a while, and I was still holding on to that. And I tried that. I tried that while I was living in a, in my own rental house. Uh, I, I tried to moderate it and to smoke like a gentleman and, and, you know, all of these things. And I failed and I failed and I failed. And it wasn't until I made that decision that, okay, I can't smoke weed like a gentleman. I can't. It will lead me back to meth. It will lead me back to alcohol. It will lead me back to everything else. So once I made that decision that, okay, I'm, I'm not the guy that can smoke normally. Um, that was when I was fully ready to sit down in recovery. And from that point, I, I, I did everything I could to, to get involved, to work the steps. I got a sponsor. I started working the steps with the sponsor. Um, I let him think for me for the first six, eight months because my best thinking got me where I was at that point. So I let somebody else think for me and I called him every day and I asked him what I should do and I ran everything by him for the first six months. Uh, and I went to a lot of meetings. I went to a lot of meetings. Um, and, and I just, I just sat down fully in recovery and, um, started to get involved and see where I could help be of service. You know, a lot of it is filling the void, uh, the, the time, the idle hands, getting involved. Right. And, and other people that I've talked to on here, the big turn for them came when they had been sober for a little bit and then they were kind of becoming mentors and sponsors and mm-hmm. helping people and giving back and, and all that type stuff. Right, right. Yeah, the, the main difference between this past 18 months and my whole other uh, using and, and journey through sobriety trying to get sober was this time I, I fully sat down in recovery and I I knew that the best way to stay sober is to give it away. It was given to me freely by my sponsor and by the people in the rooms, and I felt it was my job to give back. So what did I do in true alcoholic, drug addict fashion? I went all in. Uh, I reached out to the uh, PTO president at uh, Northwest Rankin High School. Go Cougars! Whoop, whoop! Um, and um, I was like, hey, I, I want to get involved. She She sent out an email for... Uh, people uh, to volunteer to be concession managers. And I jumped on it. I said, Hey, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. I'm going to do it. Let me just, let me help you out. So I, I became the concession manager at Northwest Rankin high school on the home side. And um, I, what I realized was there was something about getting, you know, at every home game, we usually have between 15 and 20 volunteers that, that sign up to come help at the concession stand. And what I realized was, there was nothing more rewarding to me than getting in a in the concession stand with all those 20 people letting everybody know what needs to get done helping them get the task done and doing this task together as a team there's nothing more rewarding to me than that so i just i that was the beginning for me i love 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 helping people and being involved and and just helping people move forward, um, and we can talk about uh, Constable Gary Wyndham uh, here in a little bit, also if we want. He was instrumental in in that path, 
Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just for me, the way that I stay happy and stay sober is getting involved and giving back to the community, to the AA community, to the normal community, just in any way, shape or form. I love being of service. I love helping. And, uh, I just, I do everything that I can to, to be as helpful as possible in any way. All right. So let me ask you this. And, and I, I love that answer, by the way. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> what type of recovery program did you go through? I mean, everybody, some people are in the AA, the NA, the Celebrate Recovery, the faith-based. Absolutely. What worked for you? Sure. So I uh, I tried Celebrate Recovery. Well, my parents kind of forced me to go to Celebrate Recovery in Dallas um, when I was probably 19. Um, and it just... I wasn't ready. I was going to say, you got to, just just Clay's personal opinion here between my personal stuff and talking to other people, celebrate recovery, being faith-based, you've got to be ready to surrender. Right. You've, you've got to be at the point where you are ready to surrender. And when you are, God takes control. And Absolutely. That, and, and that works. Yeah. But for, for different strokes for different folks. Right. No, there are so many paths to recovery. So many paths. It could be faith-based. It can be um, Alcoholics Anonymous. It can be uh, – there's so many paths. Um, for me personally, I tried the um, just get on your knees and pray and pray and pray. And um, th- that wasn't effective for me because I wasn't ready at that particular time when I was in front of those programs to, to move forward. What worked for me is uh, is AA. Um, I, I love AA. I love the people in AA. Um, and it, it has been fundamental in my recovery. Um, but you know, you don't have to go to AA in order to, to, to get sober. That's just, you know, you can do it with God. You can do it. Like I said, many different paths. Um, I, what I love about AA is not everyone in the world believes in God. Not everyone that's, that's just reality. And there are people that are out there struggling with addiction that if you mention God to them, they're going to run the absolute other way. AA does not require you to believe in a God in order to start that path onto recovery. So that's what I, I, I really love that because I, I believe in God. God is my Lord and Savior. He is my, he's my everything. But the guy that's over there in the corner shooting heroin may not believe what I believe. And if he thinks that he has to go to church in order to get sober, He's never gonna get sober, so that's what I that's what I truly love about AA is it is it they we we accept you wherever you are in every form. I, I like that. I, I like that explanation. I haven't heard it <clears throat> articulated like that, and that 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 makes a lot of sense. I don't have a whole lot to add to it because you just nailed it. Right there. <laughs> you really you really did. Um, <clears throat> so you go through the st- and, I, and I'm looking at the timeline here in my head. So it sounds like your your excuse me your path to recovery kind of peaked in or around the time of COVID, and that's when all the meetings and stuff were shut down. Right? What was what was going through recovery like when you actually couldn't get to meetings and stuff? I, I, know, that, I know there were a lot yeah. of rogue meetings, but you know they weren't supposed to be. Yeah, the first part of COVID, I I don't. Uh, I mean, I was pretty pretty constantly high. Um, yeah. So you know, I I just. Uh, it, it, it wasn't getting to a meeting wasn't an issue because I wasn't looking for a meeting. Yeah. Um, but the second half of COVID, uh, when I jumped back into recovery and got on the wagon, um, 
it was it was difficult to not be able to get into a meeting, you know, a physical uh, brick and mortar building uh, to to have that fellowship, which which for me, you know, a lot of people have the fellowship in the church. I have the fellowship in AA that that I, I love. They love us. They you know, it's it's great. Um, but it was difficult to not have that fellowship. But um, Zoom just just showed up on scene and. Uh, you could you could hop on a Zoom meeting three times a day anywhere in the world um, if, if you wanted it. So that's what I did. That's what everybody did. We just hopped on Zoom and had meetings. So you're the first person I've talked to that that did the they did the AA through the Zoom and stuff, and it, it, it clearly it worked for you because you, you were ready for it to work. I was ready for it to work. I was done. I was done. All right. I like it. Look, let's take a break here. When we come back, I want to hear the constable Gary Williams. Say that, that, Wyndham. That, Wyndham. Wyndham. I'm sorry, Wyndham. Gary Wyndham. I want to hear I want to hear about that. This is the Clay Edwards Show. We'll be right back with Danny Anderson on 1039 WYAB. Breaking rules when necessary. And uh from the looks of my Facebook page, very, very upset Democrats out there <clears throat> on this election day. Very mad at me. Hey, look, I'm not the one down in South Jackson catching everything on fire. And burning Jackson to the ground. I have not committed one of these 117 homicides in the city without a soul. That is on y'all. Don't be mad at me for pointing out the obvious. Call me Captain Obvious. But uh, I ain't the one down there like Wiley Coyote chasing after the roadrunner catching things on fire. Not me. So be as mad as y'all want. Uh, I'm going to keep screenshotting y'all shenanigans and making fun of you. Mocking and ridiculing. But today we're doing something a little different. Today we are talking about... Addiction and Recovery, this is our Testimonial Tuesday series, and today we are joined by Danny Anderson, uh, who is a co-host of the Recovery Lab podcast, and we had Drew Hassan on a couple weeks ago, and I reconnected with Danny through that, and uh, they got a podcast, they're getting launched, uh, I think there's about 10 episodes or so now. and Yeah, 11, 11 or 12, I think. 11 or 12, and, and growing, just got some new equipment, um, and it's only going to be getting bigger and better. Yes, sir. So uh, we'll talk about that before we... Get out of here. All right, so you mentioned a, a constable uh, earlier. T- tell us about how he played a role in your your uh, recovery. Sure, absolutely. So uh, I was driving to work um, a few weeks ago, and um, I just uh, I, I was just feeling overwhelmed with gratitude with where my life was um, and just being unbelievably grateful that God had me where, he, where I was at that moment. And um something deep inside of me said reach out reach out try to do something good try to be helpful so i just started going through my phone as i was driving to the job site in florence and ranking county constable gary windham pulled up popped up on my phone i searched for ranking county in my phone and it popped up i don't recall where gary and i crossed paths or how i even had his number but I called him up and I told him exactly what I felt at that moment. And I said, I want to get involved. How can I get involved? And he said, um, we, we talked for a little bit and he was the most kind individual that I've ever dealt with in my life. And he said, well, why don't you come along on a, on a ride along with me? And I, and I, I, I didn't say this, but I was, Inside, I was jumping up and down with joy. I was so excited. I couldn't believe um, that that this was going to be happening because I I 
have so much respect for law enforcement and to be able to see what they deal with on a regular basis, on a day in and day in, day out basis. And to go from the back seat to the front seat. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. So I called him up and, and, and he said, uh, yeah, come, come on with the, come, come, um, let's, let's get a ride along schedule. And I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much. And he's like, Oh, it's no problem. It's no problem. So, uh, we, we scheduled it a couple weeks after that. And, um, I, I hopped in his car a few weeks ago and, and we just, we drove around and he did his thing and, uh, he took me to lunch and, um, the, the conversations that we had in that car were some of the deepest, most rewarding conversations I've ever had in my life. And I was able to identify how I could, you know, help my community. And he was instrumental in, um, really boosting my confidence and affirming that, Yes, you wanting to get involved and be helpful is something that is good. And um and it was shortly after that where I kind of built up the confidence to reach out to Drew who had started this recovery podcast uh and said, "Drew, hey, I want to get involved." And I I wouldn't have had that confidence, I don't believe, if it weren't had been for the interaction I had with Gary Windham on those days. Um so I am eternally grateful f- to Gary Windham and Rankin County uh, for him, you know, devoting, you know, eight hours of his time to letting me drive around with him and, and bug him and ask him questions. And he was just the most kind individual I've ever met in my life. And I'm so grateful to him. No, that's great. You know, you talk about reaching out to Drew. <clears throat> I've got a friend request from Drew after one of my shows one day, and I got to where I just try to somewhat vet these friend requests nowadays. I didn't recognize Drew's name, saw that he uh, had a podcast called The Recovery Lab. I think it may have been after my first recovery podcast that I did. So <clears throat> we reached out and said, hey, man, I promise I didn't, steal, I, I didn't steal your name on purpose there, this uh, recovery podcast type thing. Sure. And I was like, but we talked for about 30, 45 minutes. and was like, hey, man, come on the show. And it's just really cool to to see somebody finding a way to talk about it. And I mean, I'm almost more surprised that somebody hadn't, and maybe somebody has, but had, had not done that locally by now as popular as podcasts have become, but you know, sometimes God waits and puts it in the right people's hands. Right. Right. And they get the message out there. Right. And you, you have to be careful with, with anonymity and things like that with Alcoholics Anonymous. We, we are so, that is of the utmost importance. So I understand why, why somebody hasn't done this before, but it, I believe that, Media is 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 growing, and there there's more um, there are more people on the internet, and it, it's it's time for there to be a recovery show, a local recovery show here in this in this area, and I I am unbelievably grateful to Drew Hassan uh, for having the idea, and then having the audacity to accept me to come on and help him out as co-host and. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm super grateful to Drew, uh, for, for the opportunity to come on and, and, and be of service. Well, look, that's good stuff. And, you know, one of the things you messaged me was like, Hey, man, thank you for helping normalize recovery. And I, I guess that's a saying in the recovery community, but I never heard it. And, and I do feel like that's important to normalize recovery because you don't want to feel like an outcast. You don't want to feel, you know, like a freak or, Whatever the whatever term you, of uh, a negative term of endearment you want to use for it, sure. you know you, you want to just feel like, hey man, it's normal to go through this, and I, I'm not some kind of, you know, my story ain't different, right? You know, like people have gone through this, 
I mean, everybody's story is a little different. Millions of people. Millions of people. And why I want to talk to people from every different walk of life that's willing to come on here and talk, is, and it's why I always ask people, what was your rock bottom? Because <clears throat> that's another thing too, right? Every rock bottom looks different sure. for somebody, depending on where your fall started from. And where it stopped. And there are very high rock bottoms as well. You don't have to live under a bridge to reach rock bottom. Absolutely. You know, it can be staring in a mirror at your house. Right. You know, it can be, it can be anything. Um, it, it can be catching yourself around. You know, for me, it was, I was sitting in a room at my house with a bunch of people that I would just consider trash. And you know, God bless them, but we were all being trash. I was trash too. Sure. In that moment. And we were just being trash and we were smoking dope and, I said, I said, man, Clay, would you, in any other circumstance in life, would you be, if drugs were not involved, would you be associating with these people? Right. And the answer was, hell no. Right. And uh, that was kind of that aha moment, we'll say. And uh, so everybody's different. My, my point is, I, I want somebody that's listening right now that may be getting close to their rock bottom and said, hey, that was, that, 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 my, my rock bottom is like that. Right. Or, you know, my story is like that. And somebody else has gone through that. And can and can overcome it, right? It's important to identify. It was excuse me. Let me speak for myself. It was important for me to identify the similarities that I heard in people's stories. I was so quick to recognize the differences. Oh, I'm not like that guy. Oh, I didn't live there. I didn't do that. I've never done that before. I would never do that. And when when that 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 keeps you away from moving forward and and becoming healthy and getting healthy and getting on that path. When you identify when you try and force yourself to identify the the similarities, you're you're in a much better position to to be able to to move forward in recovery. Yeah, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, and you, you, you hit a great point there. It's like, well, I ain't done that, or I ain't done that. You know, we always think rock bottom is just pushing all your belongings up and down Highway 80 in a grocery buggy, you know, right. or bumming people at a, for money at a red light. Right. Like, oh, that's that's rock bottom, you know, when you got I would never be there. Yeah, I would never do that. Well, that guy didn't think that either. Exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong, and I've gone to war with some of these people that do that, and I've put videos, and I, haven't, I, I lack empathy when it comes to that. But that guy didn't just wake up there. Right. Yeah, it was a it was a laundry list of wrong turns and bad decisions right. that led him from wherever he started to there. Right, you know. So if you if you can catch these things along the way, hopefully this show and y'all's podcast can help people get up from there or prevent themselves from getting there. Right, because I think that's something too. Right, uh, the recovery community <clears throat> is, is great about it, when people decide that they've had enough. How do you get in in the middle? How do you stop somebody from getting to their rock bottom? You know, it's like how can you? Yeah. How can you get? And, and that—that—that's the billion-dollar question, too, right. right? I mean, it's got to be ready. It takes what it takes. Yeah, you know, it's just you, you hope that somebody's struggling and listens to these things, and somebody can reach out and. You know, Jesus, Jesus took himself to the center, not to the right. churches, you know, and it's very easy to love somebody to, to death, too. You know, you got to be you have to have boundaries with with people that are struggling with addiction. You just have to, you you know, certainly be there and be supportive. But, um, you know, if they're coming around asking for money all the time, like, I don't know, like I've never been personally in that situation. Lord willing, my son does not go down the path that I did, but if he did, I'm, I'm going to have to think long and hard about having good boundaries, uh, and, and not, uh, co-signing, you know, his, his BS, you know, it's tough. It's tough not to try to financially or, or enable someone that you love. It's really tough, but you can do that until you kill someone. So you just have to have boundaries. 
Yeah, let's talk about that on the other side of this break. This is the Clay Edwards Show. We've got Danny Anderson here in the Matt Kike of Flowood Studios with me, and we'll be right back on 103.9. Breaking rules when necessary. Welcome back in to the Clay Edwards Show. We are live here in the Mac Hike of Flowood Studio. This segment is going to be brought to you by Watkins Construction and Roofing. A roof repair can cause you a lot of stress. Choosing the right roofing company to repair your roof is going to be very important. Most contractors will try to convince you that replacement is the only way to go, and that, my friends, is not the Watkins way. They believe in an honest assessment that doesn't necessarily mean replacement. In most cases, all you need is a repair. So whether you have a leaky roof, need chimney repair, flat roof repair, roof water leak, shingle roof repair, metal roof repair, chimney flashing repair, Watkins Construction and Roofing is your go-to roof repair specialist. Give them a call today for a complimentary roof assessment at 601-966-8233 or check them out online at WatkinsConstructionInc.com. All right, I'm joined here in the Mack Hike of Flowood Studios by Mr. Danny Anderson. We're talking about addiction, recovery, uh, codependency, uh, everything. And um, bring up the the um, part about parents. We're, we're talking about parents and, you know, trying to interject, you know, <coughs> what's the right way. And, you know, I think back to my mom and dad, you know, trying to interject with me throughout the years and right. It, it was the the harder they tried, the more I pushed back. Exactly. And where is the, you know, like the magic elixir? <laughs> right, you know, right, right. Like if, if if I knew, I wouldn't be doing this. Right. Um, is it is it give them just enough life to learn the lesson, or do you try to stop them? Because I've seen both. I have seen both work. I mean, I've seen really, really uh, strong willed parents that will snatch their child out of a situation, send them to boarding school or military or whatever the case may be, and and it worked. Right. But I've also seen it not, and and, and it become it right. exacerbate the the addiction. Right. Well, addiction is a family disease, unfortunately. Um, so there are resources for families uh, with um, folks that are in active addiction, and my recommendation would be uh, it's called Al-Anon, um, and parents can look it up online, uh, Mid Mississippi Intergroup dot org. Uh, would be a location for you to go and uh, check out Al-Anon meetings in your area. Mississippi Enter or N-A? Um, that it's uh, M-I-D uh, – hold, hold on, don't don't get me lying. MidMississippiIntergroup.org, uh, I believe. Enter, I-N-T-E-R. Yes, sir. Okay, yes, Mississippi sir. Intergroup. Yeah, let me confirm that. Yeah. MidMississippiIntergroup.org, uh, and you'll be able to get – that's a, a great resource uh, for AA meetings as well as Al-Anon meetings and, and other 12-step meetings um, You know that, that will help in any way that you're struggling. And uh, Al-Anon meetings just provide support. It's like an AA meeting kind of, um, but with the families. Um, and, and there's, you know, you can get a sponsor in Al-Anon. There's, you can, you know, there's, I believe there's Al-Anon steps that you can work to help deal with people that are struggling with recovery. So, so like if you wanted to, to do an intervention, it can, right. it can help you exp- how to do that without, without all hell breaking loose or in theory. Exactly. Exactly. It's, uh, you know, they, they, um, uh, they pool their, their knowledge, um, uh, each, each meeting pools their knowledge and, you know, knowledge from a group and support from a group, you're always going to be in a better situation than if you're trying to tackle it by yourself. Yeah. yeah I, that's a, 
being an enabler and trying to do an intervention and stuff like that, these are the parts that you don't see. And I've, I've had a front row seat for a family member battling addiction mm-hmm. and how the family is, tries to balance treating them like a human. Right. You know, and a, and a family member versus, and also while having to deal with their addiction. And it's changed my opinion. It's one of the reasons I started doing this because I wanted to, I want to learn more. I want to hear what other people have gone through. Right. And, you know, and, and I want to get better educated about how not to be angry sure. at, at people dealing with that. And it, it is tough, man. We all sit here and say, well, here's what I would do if it was, you know, if it was me. Or right. It was you my. don't know unless you're in the situation. And, and, and you don't. I'm telling you, we all think we'll do it one way. And then what you, what you don't take into account is that's your son, your daughter, your wife, your, blood. your husband, your mother, your father, whoever it may be. And you you can't throw them away like a piece of trash. Right. Or or treat them like a, it's very black and white. You're right. going to rehab or I'm never going to love you again. And right, that, right. That's just right. not how it works. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, and again, that's where Al-Anon really, really shines. Is it, it provides support? You know, Alcoholics Anonymous supports the alcoholic and the drug addict, and Al-Anon supports the families. I had somebody tell me about Al-Anon the other day, so you're the second person who I trust a lot to to mention that. So it's a know. it's a very, very wonderful organization. I try to reach out to one of them, get them on the show over here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, talk about that because I, I think that's a lot of people that on the front end of dealing with the struggle or on the front end of fi- figuring out how to get out of this, don't know where to look. Right. You know, like I, people always make AA jokes when they're drinking and stuff and uh, the, the 12th step or the 13th step, yeah, or, yeah, you yeah. know, all, all this type stuff. But so few people actually know where to turn to, to get help. Right. You, you know, it's like our, our families don't know where to turn to, to get the resources. And it's like, you know, most people start with the church and that is a great place to start. Absolutely. You know, but churches aren't always equipped to deal with the throes of addiction. Exactly. You know, not every church has, you know, it's like a Hickory Ridge Baptist that has a celebrate recovery and has a lot of people at that church that have gone through recovery and, you know, they're familiar with it and are familiar with it. That ain't every church. Sure. And, you know, so for people to figure out kind of where to go, how to do it, so Al-Anon, I, I like it. We need to follow up on that. Yeah. You could just Google, um, AA meetings or Al-Anon meetings in my area, uh, or um, Narcotics Anonymous meetings, whatever you, whatever you know, fits your your desire. Uh, there, there's a 12 step meeting that is that's going to be there to help you. Yeah, and look, and I'm a fan of I'm a fan of the Celebrate Recovery, but I'll be the first to say that I am as well. You know, you you gotta you you gotta be ready to surrender when you get when you do it. I mean, you really do. It's going to be heavily. Christ-based, and I love that. Uh, but like you said, maybe there's an atheist, and you know, for the sake of conversation, that ain't going to work for them, right? If they don't want it to, right? Y- you know, exactly. Yeah, the, you you don't have to believe in in anything in order to start on a path uh, to recover it. Yeah. Now, here's a question that I'm not that familiar with. I, I hear people talk about it a lot. It's it's a form of addiction. Explain to people what codependency is. So codependency is um, you rely on someone else for your happiness. Uh, your happiness does not come from within. It comes from someone else. So when you put someone else on a pedestal and uh, you uh, rely on them for your happiness, uh, there's only one way that that's going to end. 
uh, and it's not good because people are humans and humans are not perfect. So, uh, you know, when you put someone on a pedestal, it, it's it's usually not a good thing. Uh, and codependency is just relying um, on someone else for your happiness is my perception of codependency. And I was guilty of that for a very, very long time. You know, and you, you see that with a lot of people that'll that'll go from relationship to relationship and mm-hmm. can't be alone. And, right. And, and I think when they do end up alone, it can end up with addiction. Right. And stuff. And I like to say, I'm, this is, I always joke around about this being the re-education of Clay Edwards. Sure. I'm trying to learn these things and kind of figure out, cause I want to be able to spot it earlier right. on in situations throughout the rest of my life. Right. You know, it's like, Hey man, I, you, I see something, I see a trend here or, or maybe it's protect myself. Right. Right. <laughs> you never know. But, so I like to ask these questions because I think there's a lot of people out there. There's a lack of knowledge, sure. You know, and there's and go back to normalizing recovery, being able to have these conversations about it without people feeling like they're doing they've done something wrong or there's a scarlet letter in the family, right? You know, because somebody's dealing with addiction. When I bet you nine out of ten homes in Mississippi are dealing with some type of addiction, if not ten out of ten. I was going to say it's not ten out of ten. If they're not intimately involved with it, they know somebody that is. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's do this. Let's take our last break. And we're going to come back. I, I wanted to give this conversation a little more room to breathe. I don't want to come back with our normal two to three minutes to land the plane. We'll have a good five minutes or so. Wrap this up. Let Danny tell you how you can get in touch with him. Talk about his podcast a little bit. This is the Clay Edwards Show. We'll be right back on 103.9 WYAB. Breaking rules when necessary. Welcome back in to the Clay Edwards Show. This last segment here in the Matt Kike of Flowood Studios this morning is going to be brought to you by our friends out of Boondocks Firearms Training Academy and their new monthly membership packages to uh, use the course out there. The standard individual membership and family membership start as low as $25 and $35 a month. The trainer's package starts as low as $40 for an individual, $50 for a family, but it's a lot of bang for the buck, no pun intended. You get a $200 voucher to take any of their training courses throughout the year or if you uh, do the family membership uh, the whole family can take the course get guest fee is only fifteen dollars the prop sh- uh, the pro shop discount is ten percent and the firearms transfer fee is free and unlimited for the years so if you order guns online uh, you don't have to pay that normal twenty five dollar firearm transfer fee it is waived which i mean look i know a lot of you cats order your stuff online that is a great way to save money and the membership pay for itself after just one or two uses. That's Boondocks Firearms Training Academy right out there on Highway 18 in Raymond. You can check it all out online at boondocksfta.com. All right. Joined in studio this morning by Danny Anderson, co-host of the Recovery Lab podcast with Drew Hassan. And uh, we've had Drew on the show a couple weeks ago, and now it's Danny's turn uh, to walk the plank, so to say. Uh, Danny, look, man, I really enjoyed today, man. I hope we touched some folks out there. I hope we normalize recovery for one more person today. And, you know, after every show, I get an email from somebody I don't know asking for somebody's contact info because their story resonated. Sure. And that's why I keep doing it every week. I mean, because we're, we're touching lives out there. People don't have to like me. They don't have to like you. They don't have to like what we do. But somebody's listening right. that needs help. And that's who we're here for today. Absolutely. You know, how can they find you? Uh, so you can search out the uh, Recovery Lab podcast. Um, just search it up on Facebook, uh, Recovery Lab. Um, and uh, you can get with me personally, uh, Danny Anderson or Daniel Anderson on Facebook. Uh, you can get in touch with Drew Hassan 
um, at uh, Drew Hassan on uh, Facebook. We also have uh, a email. It's uh, recoverylabllc at gmail.com. And if you want to reach out to me personally, I don't mind giving you my phone number. It's area code 601-672-6591. If there's anything that I can help you with, I am more than happy to take your call. Uh, I, I'll do my best to uh, to help in any way, shape, or form uh, to help you or your loved one uh, get on the path to a happy destiny. Absolutely. Look, man, we want to help grow this community and help normalize recovery. If you guys want to come on here and tell your story, I would love to hear it. Uh, here's a, something I'm looking for guest-wise that I think a lot of people could benefit from. If you are a family member of somebody who's gone through addiction, I would love to hear your story if you're comfortable telling it about what it does to a family and the hell that it can cause on a family from somebody who wasn't the addict's perspective. Right. But would love to hear your story if <clears throat> if you've – this is going to be tough here – if you've lost a child – to addiction or or a loved one and you want to come on and talk about that and i and i want to do that because i think that that can help people with catching it sooner and maybe saving somebody's life and prevent another parent from having to go through that right uh, open invitation here you can reach out to me clay at wyb.com or any of my social platforms uh, i suck at checking the mail on the save jackson page but my personal personal profiles and my email Clay at WYAB dot com. Uh, <clears throat> has the podcast been uploaded to Spotify and all that yet? Uh, we are actually working on that, and I, I thank you so much for your help on that. I got the notification yesterday that it was uh, live on Google. Uh, we are still in the process of uh, getting approved on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, um, and but those are those are all in the works right now. Uh, and again, I appreciate your guidance on uh, helping us get that set up. No problem. So right now, they, if they want to go actually listen to the podcast, it has, it's all on. They're all on YouTube at the Recovery Lab. Right. It's on YouTube. It's also on the Facebook uh, Recovery Lab page and Podbean uh, and Podbean the Recovery Lab or just Recovery Lab dot Podbean dot com. That's right. Yes, sir. All right. Look, this show will be available on all those platforms. As well, just go search Clay Edwards show if you missed any of it want to catch up on anything else tomorrow will be our big uh election results recover uh, no recovery maybe a recovery <laughs> election results show tomorrow we'll also discuss all the chaos in jackson that we didn't get to today uh follow the save jackson page for all the shenanigans there we've got some great conversations going on this morning you got mike madison up next followed by jameson haygood forgot jameson moved his show to 11 a.m Followed by uh, Kim Way to be it's on, on it from four to six, and I, I get a little blurry on the midday on the midday lineup. We got Dana and some other folks there now. Had to get me a list. I appreciate everybody tuning in this morning again. ClayEdwardsShow.com. shirts, hats, all that stuff available, as well as the podcast. We will see you tomorrow, Danny Anderson. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening. Tune in tomorrow at 7 a.m. as the Clay Edwards Show discusses all that is going on in and around the city of Jackson. This concludes our broadcast day. Right here on 103.9 WYAB.